Hello and welcome to episode 5 of the In and Around podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Will Hunt, and joining me this week, back from the dead, clearly better because he's sitting down, it's Dave Harris. Hello. And of course, Mike Breslin's back. Hello. Um, Shall we start with it? Dave, how are you feeling? You've recovered from your injury. <laughs> I'm feeling much better, Will. Um, buzzing to be back on the pod, to be honest. Hopefully the viewers feel the same. Listeners. Listeners. <laughs> <laughs> They don't. Um, already a great start for Dave. Uh, you all right, Mike? <laughs> can we, can we restart that, please? We're not restarting that. I'm oh, leaving all of Jesus, this in. Jesus, the <laughs> <laughs> Okay, all right. Welcome back. Let's Welcome get on back. with it. It's oh, clearly as professional as ever. Uh, shall we get down to what we're going to be talking about this week? We are going to have to talk about... Um, we're recording this on a Wednesday. We're going to have to talk about it, about last night's disaster class by um, Frank Lampard's Chelsea. Um, we'll, um, we're also going to, I think, talk a bit about the relegation battle, Norwich, Bournemouth, who completely threw off the planning for this pod by actually winning last night. Um, want to talk about some of... Uh, Everton and Newcastle had a play that absolutely crazy game. And um, we want to ask the question, that in Dubravka, do they have one of the best keepers in the league? Maybe the world, who knows? That's a, that's going to be a wild, that's gonna be a wild <laughs> play there. Um, we're going to be talking a bit of Villa, as expected, after they've a uh, green shoot to recovery following last week's horrible, horrible loss to uh, to Man City. And then um, we're going to talk about Derby and their troubles for with financial fair play, probably get on to a bit of the other clubs in there as well, Blues and Sheffield Wednesday. And is financial fair play about to come, come into bigger play in the Premier League, perhaps the teams at the bottom of it? Um, and then we're going to talk about the latest transfer rumours. Um, Jude Bellingham we saved for this week, didn't we, Dave? Yeah. We did. And then a few of the other ones. Who needs a striker? Everyone needs a striker. Please, someone replace Tammy. Um, and then we're going to uh, we're gonna answer a few questions from... that we ha- Well, one question that we had sent in that won't take us long to answer. Um, and then we're going to play a little game called I've Got a Play. But we'll tell you more about that later. Um do you two want to give your thoughts on last night's game, mad game at the bridge? Because I need four to five hours, I think, just to have a <laughs> chat myself. So, do you two want to go first? Well, I just couldn't believe Chelsea didn't win the game. Ooh, when, not alone. When Louise got sent off, I thought, oh God, this is going to be an absolute rout. But it just wasn't to be. Arsenal somehow looked better with 10 men than 11. It was, it was a strange, strange game. Uh, yeah, um, seeing the statistics at half time, Arsenal hadn't even had a shot, let alone a shot on target, um, which clearly produced zero expected goals. So, 1 0 Chelsea with Arsenal down to 10 men. Uh, as far as Ireland's concerned, the game was over. Uh, and here we are, 2 2, final score. Um, the they, Arsenal scored with their first shot. Admittedly, it was a little bit fortunate that Kante slipped. I'd just like to say that if anyone thinks that was Kante's fault, they're total lunatics. <laughs> he just slipped. It wasn't his fault. Um, second one, I don't understand how a Chelsea team with 11 players, even in the dying minutes of the game, gets pegged back to the edge of their box by 10 men, giving Bellerin enough time to curl a shot into the bottom corner whilst being marked essentially by two players who he sold with sort of a half dummy. So I'm a bit confused how they allowed that goal to happen. I mean, to be fair, one of them was Tammy Abraham, who was on one leg at the time. It looked like it, the way yeah. he, he and he's, uh, he's out for a turned. few weeks. I've seen Per Mertesacker turn quicker than that. 
I've seen a Dave Harris turn quicker than that. <laughs> um, I've got my head in my hands. Uh, I just, I just don't know what happened. Well, I do know what happened. I don't want to blame any particular players, but I'm gonna. Um, Emerson. I'm not sure what he does. He's other than have hair like an ice gen. He's he feels like someone that as you you create on like he's a regen on Football Manager that you get through and they can do nothing, and all of a sudden he's in the team for you playing like FA Cup games. He's terrible. He can't defend. He can't cross. He can't run. He can't shoot. He can't pass. Lampard after the game said that Lat Cante because I watching that goal, the Martinelli goal, I was. Stunned by how tactically naive it was to have it having two back when they've got two up on a corner is ridiculous and it's, is dangerous. That is a huge mistake having, to begin with. Having one back was ridiculous. And Lampard was asked after the game and he said, Well, what happened is one of the other players got sucked into the attack and run up, run up when he shouldn't have. That player was Emerson. <laughs> Later on, after admit, after I thought, I must admit, I thought they'd won it and I thought, um, I thought Callum Hudson-Odoi played a blinder and he played a great he played a great role in setting up the second. You talk about naivety in a young team and you've seen it more and more with Chelsea the last couple of weeks in that they're not killing games like they were early in the season when the goals were flowing. And Tammy Abraham is clearly hurt out there, walking on one leg and no one in the team's thinking, well, we need to get him off because by having him on the pitch, it's causing us more A, more problems. And B, it's causing him a longer-term injury problem. We'll wait to find out what the extent of that is. But not they had the ball. They got the ball back. I totally get Arsenal not kicking it out. Although, I'll come on to that later. I totally get Arsenal not kicking it out. I do, what I don't understand is Emerson Palmieri's looking around going, what do I do here? What do I do here? He's got the ball. He's got about four or five seconds. He has a chance to just kick it out of play and then get a man off and then they can go back to playing 10v10 against, let's be honest, quite frankly, not a good Arsenal side who's playing Mustafi and Xhaka as your centre-halves. 11v11, I'd probably pick Chelsea to win the game. So 11v10. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I for that goal, like it's... I can't blame Kepper for that. I did see a few people blaming Kepper for that, and I, I, I'm going to. Which one was that? The first. The goal? second one. The sec- oh, I, the I, I thought nice absolutely goal. nothing no. he could do for either no. of them. I mean, I'm going to kick lumps out of him later on because he's terrible. But the uh, the first goal, I'd like to see him stay up a bit longer. I think it was a little too easy. But yeah, I guess. But to, I can't. I, I never still think he finishes it anyway. I never blame the keeper in a one-on-one. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. the defence's fault. It's it's a win if the keeper saves it. Really. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's well, a bonus. It's like scoring an extra like goal, a penalty. isn't it? If he saves the penalty, it's like what? It's like yeah. that, I guess. But it it was just shocking, shocking tactical naivety and just naivety in general the whole night. They so you can see that, and it it's kind of like it was ironic we were playing Arsenal because Arsenal played like Chelsea and and Chelsea played like Arsenal. They had they had heart, spirit, all the things you wouldn't you wouldn't have associated with Arsenal. Whereas we actually played like Arsenal in that we with they went a man down, we went a goal to the good and then we stopped playing and we didn't go for the kill. We showed a lack of character and a lack of ruthless instinct that the club has always had. Well, has had in the last couple of years. And Arsenal haven't had that, but last night the tables had turned. It is it is they would have been eight points clear from Tottenham and you assume they'd have got top four. It's a shocking result. And I, I'm not joking. I'm not joking when I say that you don't. You never want to. A few weeks ago, I sat here and said I probably don't need that many people in January. The f- 
I think you have to buy, you have to get a left back now, and you have to go out and buy because otherwise you're going to get left behind. Because they are terrible at the moment. Marcus Alonso also is absolutely shocking as well. You don't want him anywhere near. He's left better than back. Emerson though. No, I agree, but he's still still not someone you you really want. No, I I don't like him. But to be honest, Emerson, out of, he, Chelsea fans used to clamour for Emerson to play. Where even when all, even when uh, when Alonso wasn't playing well, and I I never got it. He was terrible. And the fact that Juventus wants him, I'll drive him there myself. <laughs> Ross Barkley could be in the back seat. We'll stop off at West Ham on the way. Inter Milan are taking a lot of Prem players. Yeah, well, they do, do, they, do they want Kepa? Because they can have him as well. <laughs> I, I mean, do you want to talk about Arsenal? Because they, I don't even know if they I, played well. I, I, mean, I, I think it was just Chelsea playing terribly. Granite Jacker, to be fair to him, put in quite the performance at centre-back. He looked very assured. Um, looked... Surprisingly calm on the ball, which you don't associate with Xhaka even in the middle of the park, let alone centre back. Um, Mustafi, oh god, where to start with that player? Um, don't know what he's doing in the Premier League, to be honest. Do you know something? After after his terrible, terrible gaff, he had a good game. I'm just going to throw it out there. He's obviously not good enough, and he was a terrible gaff that almost almost cost him the game. It should, that sh- in the Premier League, that should have cost you the game. Yeah, hundred percent. It was it was a really really poor lapse of uh, I think I assume concentration because professional footballers shouldn't miss hit that pass. Ever. No, it's an easy pass. Yeah, it's an easy pass. I'm assuming he's just thinking where he's got to go next. Yeah. Do you want to have a quick debate because um, you don't think Louise should make the tackle, Mike? No, I don't. Right? I think he should. I think he has to try and play the ball anyway. I well, when, when he knows he can't get the ball. Well, it's more. Why that... would he do that? <laughs> Because more... got out, he got out of jail last night by Chelsea being poor. Yeah, I know, but I just... I d- my problem with Louise is not that he tried to play the ball, it's that he, he waited too long to try and do it. He should have... Because there's, there's a bit earlier on when the ball goes where he probably could get a, get a better look at the slide tackle. He just waited too long. I think... If he lets it go, it's almost like asking a dangerous game. I don't know, it's just mad. Well, I thought he let let it go because Leno was coming out. And I don't know if you noticed, but Leno went to clear him out, clean him out, which would have been a red card to Leno. Mm. And he moved his foot away, so he didn't touch him in the end. So you could eat. There could have been two red cards if you want them. Leno could have got himself sent off. Yeah. Maybe I've just been daft. Probably am. I think with Louise. A, maybe a young player you go fair enough it's naivety making that tackle I don't think he should go anywhere near the ball he's clearly not getting that he's in no angle to try and get the ball yeah, yeah. I think at that point you just hope somehow you keep a saves it or you go one down but at least you're still on the pitch um, as Mike said he should have totally cost Arsenal a game last night but somehow they were allowed to get something out of it um, and if if they'd lost the headline would have been Louise costing them the game, but somehow they're allowed to get something out of it. Maybe he's just a tactical genius that knew that Mustafi and Jack is the centre-back pairing they need. Yeah, maybe he's trying to signal to Arteta something. Yeah. I'd, I'd just Stand like to me. say quickly on that, if it was the 26th minute he got sent off. If that's the se- the 82nd minute, then fine, you can get yourself sent okay, off Okay, fair enough. But it's so early in the game. If you go one down, which you probably are, if he doesn't make the tackle, you're almost certainly one down. The covering defender's not getting there. Then you've still got, how's, how's my math, 64 minutes plus added time, 11 v 11. 
mm. rather than Jorginho takes the pen, he probably scores. Mm. You're one down and down to ten men. I don't right. know. Me being daft, you've already convinced me. Okay, well that's I mean, good. The, whole, the only thing is, if he'd let Tammy go in through and got all the way, Tammy was finished, he would have missed anyway. <laughs> but, I mean, Chelsea, yeah. talking about it, they should have been two, they should have been two, three goals to the good by the time the penalty goes in. I mean, he well, has... probably anyway. He's a ball... Du- uh, <laughs> um, like, let's just quickly talk about like the Newcastle game, which happened at the weekend. With, for Chelsea as well because we're on the subject of them let's do it it was they've started it's classic Arsenal they really are turning into Arsenal they've <laughs> dominated the game they had tons of possession they did lots of lots of nice lovely football with absolutely zero cut and thrust and Newcastle played well but they didn't play that well they didn't play they hit the bar they hit the bar once but they didn't play well enough that a team of Chelsea's quality shouldn't have put them to the sword even if they are playing like that I think, yeah, I, th- I think that one you can be a bit less worried about because they did dominate that game. And though the result didn't go their way, young team, you're going to have some of these. Yeah. Some of those, it was away at St James's, wasn't it? It was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's not an easy place to go. You dominated the game. I was less worried about that one until last night. Yeah, I'm only worried about that one in the context of the season in that it keeps happening. And I already yeah, if it keeps happening, I ex- that's going to be a problem. And I accepted that I accepted that before the season, I thought we were going to finish seventh. However, they're better than I thought they would be, which is, means I'm holding to better standards yeah, yeah, than I thought they would be. Yeah. I thought Tammy Abraham wasn't going to score the goals he scored. I thought Mount wasn't going to be as good as he is. I, thought I Rich, think most people thought I that. thought Reese James wasn't going to be as good as he is, and I thought Cal was going to be better than he is. Um so I had different expectations. Player. He's he looked really good last night. He's had a bit of a tough season. Um, On Arsenal, quickly. Yeah. The um, celebration, particularly for the first goal, I don't know if I've seen that sort of celebration from an Arsenal team. No. In quite a while, it felt like they were digging in for Arteta, uh, and they're a bit more together maybe than we've seen them for a while. So they, I think there's something good going yeah, on there. Yeah. The, things. It's certainly moving in the right direction, I think. There's a real spirit there, and you almost saw Seems it. Seems to be, yeah. I've, you've seen it in every game they've played so far. I mean, the results haven't gone their way, but you can see that they've got a bit more of a bite about them, haven't they? Dave? Yeah, Arsenal definitely look like they want to fight. Look like they're starting to enjoy their football again. Um, I've not <laughs> seen that in a long, long time. As, as you said, I think something good's going on there. Um, and I think by the end of the season they could be a lot more of a complete team which brings us on to a question that we actually got tweeted in um, <laughs> can Arsenal realistically make top four if they strengthen January from at Oliver White 96 do you want me to take this one no no they can't <laughs> I mean can you pull up the form the last five games for Arsenal form wise yeah because, give me a second because they played really well last night and I've seen a lot of Understandably, Arsenal fans are very happy about this that they they managed to come back and everything. But at the end of the day, they're still celebrating one point, and Arteta's obviously gotten playing better, but they're still not getting the results. So, are they going to be able to buy a top class centre half in January? Are they going to be able be able to get their left back fit in January? Are they going to, be able to sort out their problems in centre midfield in January? No, they're not. They're not making. I can't realistically see them making a the top four. 10 points behind as well it's it's a big gap to, to bridge 
Uh, they've got so many positions to strengthen, to be honest. Centre-backs, still left-back, um, maybe even another centre-mid, depending on transfer movements. Maybe a striker, depending on Aubameyang's injury as well. Injury? Is he injured? Yeah, I thought, I thought Aubameyang was injured. I thought he was just serving his ban. Yeah, he's banned for the red card. Oh, the oh yeah. <laughs> Gaffed it. Gaffed it. What's happened there? James Yates has put in the chat of our fancy football that he has all three players injured and he has a Bamiang. And I've gone with James Yates instead of my mind, which yeah, is never a good move. Yeah, he's a total moron. Um, Form in the last six. Four draws, one win, one loss. Uh, they probably haven't quite got some of the results they deserved in that time. Still no. ten points back. Uh, but like you say, there's a lot of work to do on that squad, which maybe won't be done this season. Yeah, I've two, I mean, they, they should be in a better position after Jan- the January window, the summer window, to go for top four next season, which you could say about a few teams. So it's going to be an interesting race next season, I would say. Um, two things quickly. I've just remembered that it's Chelsea in front of them, so they can absolutely make the top four. Um, I think, to be fair, <laughs> I think any... Yeah, I think Chelsea are going to drop off a bit. Arsenal are probably going to get better. United are going to be whatever United are. I think Spurs are going to turn it around. Do you? Yeah, I just I can. I just I believe. In, I believe in Jose Mourinho. So oh, if Spurs turn it around. Me. They're nine. They're a point above Arsenal and nine behind Chelsea. So they've got players though. We've got a horrible month. It'll be an interesting race. Yeah, it's good. So you mentioned, and then my second point was. Uh, I, the Arsenal Arsenal actually have as many draws as the Invincibles did in their Invincible season. This season, which I think is actually quite a just a quite a weird quite a weird thing when you think there have been all these complaints about draws, but Oh my god, you said Chris Wood was gonna score for Burnley and he just has not won in, I think. <laughs> Told you Mike, Chris Wood, what a what a player. Unbelievable. Player. Um should we quickly talk about keepers? Because we can use. Oh yeah, I, was, I forgot Here to we go. This will this will transition us into our next one nicely. Actually, um, Kepa's the most expensive keeper in the world. <laughs> He's got a fifty-four percent save percentage, something yeah, like that. Yeah, and 54. that's that's before last night, so it may even have got slightly worse. He's not at fault for any of last night's goals, so this isn't reactionary. This was in our document before last night. He is, I think. Terrible. I think he's weak on crosses. I think he's shot stoppings bad. And I, I know this is bad for me to say as a man of my height. He's too short. <laughs> and am I being over over critical of Kepa? I wouldn't say so, to be honest, given the amount of money you've spent on him. Um, and it's quite weird seeing... There's one keeper that I'll let Mike bring up. Mike's possibly going to drive up to Newcastle for his autograph, I think. <laughs> Uh, even Ramsdale at Bournemouth, to be honest, yeah. I would argue looks better than Kepa. Uh, ben Foster. There's quite a few keepers coming in above Kepa before we even get onto the big big players like Allison and Edison. He just he just doesn't look. It's weirdly like a Courtois at Real Madrid almost in the fact that he doesn't look like he's going to settle. He's De Gea. He's De Gea early days of United just without the shot stopping. So I'm not sure why you'd have him, Mike. Yeah, not not his biggest it? fan either. Um, I don't even know if he would make the top ten in goalkeepers in the Premier League right now. Yeah, do you know what? he's making? The, he's make, he's Spain's number one over De Gea. 
who De Gea is not having a good season at all, but he's Spain's number one, which it baffles me. Um, but let's let's talk about um, the man who on Saturday was at the other end of the goal, Martin Dubravka, Mike. What a player! Yeah, I, th- I think form-wise, he might be the best goalie in the league. Yeah. Uh, that's a bit of a take, so you can at me on Twitter if you like. But um, I narrowed it down to him, Ramsdale, and Pope. Um, Ooh, Dean Henderson. Henderson's good as well. I don't know if I don't know if he quite makes it yet. He's had a few gaffes this year. So does every keeper, I suppose. Ramsdale's um, really impressed me actually. He made some cracking he's, saves last night again. Yeah, for a young keeper as well, he's just broke through the academy, really looks quite assured to be honest. Been impressed with how mature he looks. But Dubravka, I'm not sure I'm gonna say best keeper of the league, but in terms of sh- Shot stopping, he just seems pretty unbelievable at Rem- the moment. Remove the distribution from the argument. So, because that's the thing for me, Allison and Edison are, yeah. not, are not goalkeepers. They're they're more than goalkeepers. So mm-hmm. it's almost unfair to rate them against uh, the rate them against other keepers. Um, if you just went on, you've got to have one of them to make a save to keep you in a game. You can pick anyone. Who are you picking? Dubravka, Ben Foster, probably. Oh, yeah. Ben Foster needs a mention. He's had a really good season in that Watford team. Yeah, I mean, that Watford team's still down there, but, God, I, I really don't know how f- far down they could be with uh, without Ben Foster, to be honest. He's, He's saved them so many times. Um, I, I mean, it's interesting, actually, because last night, and we'll, we'll talk about it now, actually, um, Everton played Newcastle. So, um, Dubravka was, again, up against, in the, other, in the opposite goal, was another terrible keeper in Jordan Pickford. Yeah, I think um, he should not be England's number one. Yeah, I don't rate Pickford at all. No. Um, do you, who we had a conversation last week, me and you, Mark, about who goes to the Euros and who starts a striker after Kane's injury. Do you think Jordan Pickford should start the Euros, and if not, who? No. Um, I'd like to see Nick Pope. To yeah. be honest, just out of pure out and out keeper. Um, Pope's been good now for a, you know, he's proven himself over three years, if not four after taking Heaton's spot off him at Burnley. Uh, Pickford just... Again, well, I'm not sure he's tall enough for a keeper. I think that's why he struggles. He's quite tall. It's his arms that are small. T-Rex. Yeah, he's like a (laughs) T-Rex. But he really is. Um, I just... I just don't like Everton. I don't think they're a good team. And last night... Being two up and letting it go that late. Um, one thing that was incredible in that game, I think it was nine, 91 and a half minutes, Everton broke 2v2 and Umar Nias took a touch that Mike and Will probably laugh at this. Even even me at six aside on the, the rare occasion I'm allowed, allowed to play. Uh, I'm bringing this ball down better than him. I'm not joking. He tried to bring it down. Must have gone about eight yards ahead of him and the attack was over. Um, the thing that was interesting with that game is the players that Ancelotti brought off the bench basically just signed away the fact that they shouldn't be at the club anymore. Tom Davis, good God, he was horrific. Gave away three fouls uh, in about ten minutes. Nias just probably shouldn't even be in the Premier League. But credit to Newcastle. They're a team that just keep plugging away with yeah. Steve Bruce. Um, again, if Joel Linton had been a defender, maybe he'd be on 10 this season. Who knows? 
Right. Firstly, no slander for the new Firmino. <laughs> um, but going back to Everton conceding too late, we talked about mentality a few weeks ago on this pod and how Everton had a mental block when it came to Liverpool, Mike. Are we? Are you worried about that team and that they're just never? That team is never going to amount to anything simply because they can't. They just have this weakness within them. That that squad is as in as it is now just has no characters in there at all. Mm. There's just there's just no leaders anywhere. They're all looking at each other, wondering what's going on. I'd, I've no idea how you throw away a lead like that so late in the game. Newcastle didn't even celebrate their first goal because it was so late. And then they still managed to ship another one. How do you even do that? Normally, if you score a late goal, you go and get the ball back if you need another one. They didn't even bother. It was like, oh, well, that's just a consolation goal. I have to say, I've never seen a bicycle kick less celebrated. Yeah, um, ridiculous. The centre-back pops out of a bicycle and they're like, oh... At least we've got some goal this yeah. game. Um, I barely even heard the fans. Maybe that was just the highlights. But I don't think it's a coincidence that their best run of form came when they had a massive character in Duncan Ferguson leading the charge. But at least there was something going on. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I mean Ancelotti. I did. He's a fanta- Obviously, he's a fantastic manager, and there's always been questions over his ability to motivate a team over a league season, which is why he doesn't have the same domestic success as he has European wise however I'm, I worry about him being able to take a squad that's severely lacking in leaders and whether or not he's the right type of manager for that job Mike uh, did you see what he said after the game no. about um, oh, I've, I've given away a 3-0 lead in a Champions League final well, don't bring that up I think it was what? what no one wants to hear that you say that yeah, after that, that. what you were, I mean to be fair like that Newcastle team is probably better than that Liverpool team. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly John Joe Shelby's better than Gerrard. Um, Dave? It was weird because before those goals go in, you think Moise Keane finally looks like he's settling in, scored a good goal. Calvert-Lewin is looking consistent, which if you'd said to me in August he'd be scoring more than five goals this season, I'd probably have laughed. Um, but yeah, the Everton team, there's no leaders in there but there's also no winners I can't think of any player in there when you look at Wolves most of that team the main characters in there won the championship Connor Cody um, Connor Cody people like that yeah I get what you're saying like Schneid, Morgan Schneiderlin he's, he's been around a bit to be fair did come up from League One with Southampton but since he moved to Man United he's been an absolute yeah. shell of the player he used to be yeah, I get what you're saying. Um, actually, quickly on that before we move on, it is it was really pleasing to see Moise Keane get a goal because he's coming for some real stick, and it's easy to forget that he is a young lad in a different country, in a away from family, trying to. He's Everton have been bad, and he's really struggled in them being mm-hmm. bad. But I don't think he's the reason they've been bad. No, of course and not. I'm actually really, I'm pulling for him next season I think he's going to come back if he's still at the club and be strong and I just want to see him get another year because yeah, I think be too too often in the Premier League we get these young uh, imports from overseas and we look at them and we write them off too quickly and I just I think he's Gee, last year at Juventus comes to mind yeah, yeah. Last, last year at Juventus he was a really exciting talent mm-hmm. and I think to be honest 
with our league losing some of the stars it's had, we could do with building some of the others from the ground up. He's definitely a really good player. We know we already know that, so we yeah. just need to see it in the prem. Um, okay, let's talk about the relegation battle. Uh, let's start with because there's a whole host of teams in and around there. Good podcast. Um, the Villa. We talked. We all went took in a game. Uh, couple of Saturdays ago and now time flies and me and you talked about it on last week's pod Mike yeah. and how dreadful they were green shoots of recovery yesterday really late goal coming back from a man down against a, a resurgent Watford team if we're being honest mm-hmm. um, Watford have been good recently yeah. yeah how encouraging is that for you for Villa's prospects of survival Mike well it's a massive result absolutely huge that late goal um um as I probably said last week I did not see that coming um, I flip flopped a bit. I said they'd stay up on the uh, on the um, report card one. Yeah. Then I said they wouldn't last week after watching them live. They're now a couple points clear, but they've won three of the last six. Yeah, they've got they've so, got I think slightly tougher group. I did have a look at their fixtures and I thought to myself they probably need around about six wins to stay up, and they they didn't beat Brighton which is one of the ones I did earmark for them to, that they needed to win. Um, they're probably going to have to get a big result against someone you don't expect them um, to stay up. But I think... To I be think on- they're capable of that. Yeah, though. we keep saying... On their day. Other than the City game, and I, to be honest, I think you could have put anyone in front of that City team and they were getting absolutely destroyed on that day. They were just in the mood. Um, I think a lot of the time their, their play, and we keep saying this, their play hasn't matched the results... And while that's encouraging, it's time for the results to match if you want to stay in this league. And that's why last night I was quite pleased for them to, to get the result. Dave, you're going to come at this well, one. Well, no, I mean, yes, I'm a Blues fan. I'm not going to totally destroy them. I mean, after the Man City game, they just, during the game, they went, even after 2-0, all of their heads dropped. Uh to be honest, Fort Grealish looked like he was strolling around thinking of where he was off to next. Um, and to be fair, it's big from them to come back from a 6-1 defeat at home as well. 1-1 um, at Brighton, I really would have expected them to possibly win that one, to be to be fair. Um, but yeah, huge result for them last night. The late goal was going to give them a huge boost as yeah. well, uh, mentally. If just... To be fair, they brought in another striker. Yeah, maybe he'll maybe he'll work for them. Just come on to that. They have actually um, finally confirmed Samata. Samata goal, uh, I believe, is what his nickname is. Uh, I'm going to confess, I have never seen him play. Everything I've read about him is not particularly great. <clears throat> However, we discussed this last week in that they have a dire need for just a body up front, and it doesn't. As long as they can do the basics, it doesn't really matter. They chip in like maybe Samata a couple. Jesus Christ! Unless they caught, they chip in with a couple of goals, that'd be the bonus. I really, but they just need someone with a striker's instinct to yeah. even finish some of the chances. Because yeah. Al Ghazi's a trier, but he's certainly not a striker. No, um, but hopefully with with that, we we'll see him. Probably, I'm, well, I'm pulling for Villa. I'd like to see at least one Birmingham club in the league. Um, in terms of the other teams. <laughs> Norwich, interestingly, have actually just equalised away at Tottenham. Uh, uh, they've just gone 2-1 down. Oh, again. no. <laughs> you, you're trying oh, to be... jinxed it. I saw a pookie penalty and I thought, 
He's trying to be up to date, but he's uh, he's failing. Well, I, I didn't sign two one. But they had a really interesting game at the weekend with Norwich Bournemouth, um, including a, a fabulous, fabulous save by Steve Cook. Um, we might have to put him in the top ten of the goalies. It's <laughs> better than Kepper. Made more saves this season. Let's start with Norwich because um, I think they're the less interesting of the two. They are. They won the game at the weekend. They are. Naive, everything definitely going down. But it's it's weird. Well, when you say teams that aren't getting results for how they play, I feel Norwich. Yeah, I mean their squad's not strong, but they they come to teams and they try and play football, which a lot of teams don't do when they come up to the Premier League. Um, and to be fair to them, they've played well in some games, just got no result. Um, but I think their squad's just too weak. I don't feel they ever really prepared for the Premier League yeah. I get what you're saying um, about Norwich coming up um, play, going to teams and playing well they're not playing well they're going to go to United and play as open as they did and get absolutely rinsed we talked about it a bit last yeah, week didn't we, we did Mark? discuss it last to, week to go there it doesn't matter how pretty how good your football is offensively if you're not doing the basics, if you're not setting up in a way that you could possibly get a point from the game when you're at the bottom, you deserve to go down and you're not playing well. And I think sometimes there's a tendency in our league to go, that looks really nice, they're obviously playing well and having a go, as opposed to some of the other clubs that annoy you and you don't want to watch them, but they are actually playing well. I think for, as 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 you say, I mean, it looks nice, but that he's been very tactically naive. Um, he's trying to play the same brand of football in the, the Championship, Except this time in the Premier League, we're pretty much the same championship squad. It really is quite baffling. Um, especially when you look at Sheffield United, who are playing the basics, and it's taken them very far. I, I mean, I'd argue they're doing more than the basics, but I get your point. Mike Norwich getting a big win at the weekend against Bournemouth, who are terrible. Any difference to you, or is it exactly more like last week, what we talked about with them being quite poor and naive? Uh, yeah, I, they're not going to stay up, unfortunately. Still six points from safety. Um, unfortunately, there's 19 teams that are better than them. As much as I like watching them, yeah, they're just not going to pick up enough points to stay up. Um, it was nice to see them get a win against Bournemouth, to be fair. Uh, yeah. The handball was a total moment of lunacy, yeah. to be honest. That, I feel this, a similar way about that. Than I do about David Louise. You just yeah. you just gotta let it go. That one, that with the Louise one, him, I, f- I always I always want to, the defender to try and win the ball. It's just it, I know I understand all the things around. It. I just want that. Um, with that, I don't know what the hell he's doing. I I do not know what he's doing. It, especially nowadays, even if the refs somehow miss and then linesmen somehow miss it. VAR obviously isn't going to miss it and you're obviously going to get sent off and then it's a pen and then you're 1-0 down and it's still early Similar, basically you can copy what I said earlier you're 1-0 down but in this game it's a relegation six-pointer and your team needs you on the pitch as Steve Cook are the captain yeah you're the captain you're the captain setting an example and after I don't know how long exactly it was but it was first half wasn't it yeah it was early doors. But I thought it was pretty early doors. Because they were, they were playing well up until that point, by all accounts. And, uh, yeah, a total moment of madness. I, I guess that was just instinct took over. And he 
which does happen, I guess. I've, I've done it once in my football career. But you've been sent off? I wasn't sent off, but I did give away a pen for something uh, similar to that. Mike Breslin with a temper on the pitch, who would have thought it? Dave? Who <laughs> um, thought on the Steve Cook handball? I was going to say, I wasn't there for the, the Breslin penalty incident. I was a bit stonked there on that one, Well, Um... Yeah, it's weird. I think maybe passion takes over for Steve Kirk. He's been around for a long time, one of Eddie Howe's stalwarts. Not playing as well as they want to. Uh, yeah, total madness. Um, if Louise last night was mad, that was somehow even madder. As you say, Mike, with VAR, somehow if the ref and linesmen have decided to lose eyesight at yeah. that point, <laughs> VAR seeing it. So, don't know what he's doing because that's a a game against Norwich where I think everyone in the league thinks Norwich are the team we should beat this season and somehow they've come away with nothing because their captain's sacrificed himself in the first half. Yeah, um, so had we recorded this pod last night before the games, we would have been having a a conversation along these lines. Now they've gone and beaten Brighton um, 3-1 as well, so they actually scored some goals. (laughs) Which has been they've unusually not scored many this season. Um, Solanke somehow, yeah, to looking like he's actually settling into the team. Um, Callum Wilson coming back to form. He's him not taking chances has been one of the big, the big problems for them. Yeah, it's been a real problem. Bournemouth have always been a team where you can rely on them being pretty critical in front of goal, and that's critical. Clinical. Um, it's it's, it's the number MS. three. They they always say that you need a striker to score yeah. some goals at the bottom. Wilson is the guy for Bournemouth. If they can get him backfiring, they've got a chance. And they're currently what are they? Well, they're level on points with West Ham, who are losing a uh, at Leicester right now, three one. Yeah. Um, so it looks unlikely they're going to pick up anything there. So level between them, Bournemouth and Watford at the moment. You got Brighton and Villa on twenty five points, two clear of those three. Um, interesting that West Ham have been dragged into it. I didn't really yeah. notice them playing this badly, but here do, they do, are. Do you know something about West Ham? They've been they've not been good all season, and we said this earlier on in the pod. And uh, a few weeks ago, we did a mid season report because we slated them a bit. My brother keeps making the point that they've got a Europa League squad. They're at the bottom of the table. And while they may be in it now, I'm not really counting them in that relegation battle because they've got a decent manager in David Moyes who, unlike unlike Fark at Norwich, for example, is going to make them do the basics that should win them enough games. And they've got, like it or not, they've got match winners in the squad in Anderson and Haller is a good player not being used in the right way. Can you not count them in the relegation they've... battle? They're on 23 no, points. I, I, I no, know, I know their season so far. What I'm saying is, when I look at them compared to the others, I just think they've got so much more talent and manager that while they're in it, I just feel that they're gonna they're gonna pull out of it. Okay. With West Ham, uh, yeah, I'm not not gonna go as far as the fans and be asking them to be at the Euros. But Mark Noble's one of the best captains in the league uh, in terms of what he brings to the dressing room. Um, but the main point with West Ham is Roberto, the goalkeeper they were having to play probably cost them at least five points, if not more. Yeah. If they'd had Fabianski or even just Keeper capable of using his hands, um, they wouldn't even be near this. I imagine they'd be at least five, six points clear. Um, 
but the quality is surely just too much for them to to get fully dragged into this. I'd fully back okay. them to to get out of it in the next six to talking, eight games. Talking about, let's go back to Bournemouth briefly because um, last week, Dave, before they even lost to Norwich, um, me and you were talking. And you said to me that you think Eddie Howe's job should be at risk. Do you want? I mean, yeah. me, me and Mike, I know disagree with you. Um, I think we still do. Do you want to forward your case? Uh, with Eddie Howe, I have a lot of respect for him. Don't get me wrong. He's achieved so much. Even keeping them up, to be honest, every season has been arguably overachieving. But I feel he's a man that's run out of ideas. And if Bournemouth still see themselves as being a Premier League club, I mean, after that win last night, it's a good win. And also it could do absolute heaps for the players mentally, uh, which could propel them on. But a couple of more bad results and Bournemouth have to think, are we going to keep with a man who's a club legend or are we going to put forward someone that knows the Premier League and is going to keep us a Premier League club? I, I think, I think though, I'm almost... It's such a difficult idea because if you, you don't want to do a Fulham and sack the manager who's brought the culture to your club. Yes. That, so when you go true. down, it's a struggle and the culture's no longer there. Or it's it's not, it's still there I in mean, a much diminished state. If you get rid of Howe now, there's no guarantee you get in someone who can do the bait. Turn it around. Turn it around. And also you lose, you lose A, a club icon, and B, someone who's successfully built what Bournemouth are, how they play. And not so long ago, was touted for jobs like the Arsenal job. Uh, one thing as well with Howe and his own defence, Brooks has been injured um, and he'd really established himself as one of the main main ways they play. They played through him a lot, having holding midfielders like Lerma and Cook. Um, and obviously they're arguably their main asset in midfield's been out for the whole season. So that's obviously going to impact them a lot. But I just, I'm just not sure. I'd love to see him turn it round, but I'm not sure. If you can, Mike, do you want to make the case for Eddie Howe staying in his job? Uh, I th- I think you can copy and paste some of what I've said before, but it, he's overachieved the whole time he's been there. Um, if he keeps them up again, which he might do, <coughs> they're um, very much in the fight now after that win last night. Uh, mm. If he keeps them up again, you might as well stick with him. If he doesn't. I don't see there's a better man for, for Bournemouth out there at all. Yeah. It's interesting you both say this, considering you're a big fan of Graham Potter, which he's a good manager. However, Chris Hutton had bought Brighton up and had overachieved keeping them up, and he got sacked. Um, obviously, he's not done what Howe has, but he was overachieving, yep. and he got sacked. And Brighton are actually doing worse than they were at this there point is, last year. There is an absolute massive difference in that. No, because I know what you're saying. I know what, what you're I'm, saying. Brighton changed their manager because yeah. they wanted to change the style. Yeah, Bournemouth are, Bournemouth are not going to change the style of the club. They're not going to change that playing style. However, if they keep Eddie Howe at the helm, they might not be a Premier League club next season. But what? But what's more? Important is it creating a brand of football that can give you sustained success? Because don't forget they've been successful for many years now, playing the way they have. Or is it tr- searching for the? We've seen many a club, Fulham last year included, go for the quick fix, sack the manager, get rid of the playing style, go back down, 
and not come and not look like you're coming back up. Take Burnley for example. When they went down under Dyche, they didn't sack him. Mm-hmm. They stuck with that style, knowing that it was going to bring them results. And now they're back in an established Premier League club. Do you sack one? I mean, just on one season, really. Whatever decision Bournemouth are to make, keeping Howe or getting rid of him at any point, both of them are a huge risk. There's no safe option. Uh, I mean, if... not really, but that's why I'd rather stick with what what I know. Yeah, better um, the devil you know than the devil you don't. Very wise, that well. Yeah, it's it's not always greener on the other side of the grass. No, no. that one's better. Um, it really isn't sometimes. <laughs> uh, okay, let's. Speaking of lower leagues um, and the bottom half of the Premier League table, do you, Dave, want to talk about Derby being found guilty of breaching final yes. fair play? Because, and I'm going to admit this now, although I've seen a bit of this, I haven't seen huge amounts of this. So I'm going to let you no, I know lead. Bits and pieces, but I'll let I'm going to let you steer, um, Dave. This is actually something that I... One reason I bought Bournemouth. Okay, so Bournemouth have a ground that can hold like 11,000 people. It's very small. To be honest, the TV rights they get is probably enough for them. Um, but they'll be playing, paying some players fairly high wages. Now, if, if they go down, financial fair play is now becoming a serious thing that teams going down from the Premier League really have to consider. Uh, West Brom, when they went down... They actually had to lay off some staff at the ground just to try and get around financial fair play. Pretty much any player on big wages, any bit of anything comes in for him and they're off. Um, but back to the the main point at the moment that's making the headlines is Derby. Um, it turns out that Mal Morris has basically been constantly selling the ground um, between himself and a holdings company, uh, which is... Just ludicrous, but he's not the only team that have chairman that's been doing it. Sheffield Wednesday have done it. Blues, did, Blues yeah. have done it. Typical thing with Blues, we got found out because we didn't make the payment to our <laughs> other company, which just sums us up. Um, but I think what's very interesting with Derby is they pulled off a coup with Wayne Rooney, um, which even at his age is still hell of a signing to make in the championship. And that looks like it's been brokered as a sponsorship deal from 32 Red. So it's also getting, that's sort of getting tricky now between sponsorship, paying for transfers. It's almost like a third party transfer, yeah. which as we know in English football is a big no-no. No. Um, and even with Villa, uh, when they've been down, when there was the... Really struggled. And when there was the playoff final yeah. after them failing against Fulham, yeah. people were saying if they don't go up, uh, financial fair play is really yeah. going to catch well, up with I them. Well, I mean, to, with, with Villa, they were in such dire straits for a while that that's one of the reasons that John Terry didn't end up carrying on playing because they couldn't offer him a contract and he didn't really want to go anywhere else. They gung up his boots. They were, and then they got eventually taken over. They got a bit of a, cl- a money injection. It's a real problem and that's why when we talk about sustainability as a football club we talk about a club like Burnley that's why they've really got to be admired haven't they because they just they they don't spend and it must be infuriating being a Burnley fan watching likes of Bournemouth pay Jermaine Defoe what 80 grand a week is it infuriating though well it is in a way you know how it is it's it's when you actually think about it it doesn't annoy you but when you see on a it always annoys you when you go 
Oh, they've got him. I wish we'd had him. I but, wish we'd yeah, spend but do, like that. Yeah, but do Burnley want Jermaine Defoe? No, no, but you know what I mean? Players, like, the financial clout to go and get players like that. Not Jermaine Defoe. No one wants Jermaine Defoe. The thing with Burnley, um, it's interesting you bring them up. In terms of financial fair play, I imagine they must be doing absolute wonders uh, just because their wage bill is small. But as a Burnley fan, I don't think you care about players like Jermaine Defoe. You've got players that... Dyche has built a team that's nitty-gritty, dig in, and that's what all of the players do. And they play well against the big teams. No, do so, they? Uh-huh. Do they play well against Not the big teams? Historically, while Dyche has been in charge in this spell of them in the Prem, they've, they've done pretty well. No, I mean, but are they getting... I'm, I'm not saying they're ever going to sell themselves as a top no, no, no. team, but they're, they're doing pretty well for themselves. No. Um, I just... I think if you go and look at the comments of any time Burnley tweets, I think you'll see that a lot of people actually do want them to sign players. I just meant more in terms of... That may well be the case. Not in I terms don't, of... I don't look like... Not person. in terms of... Chip players like Defoe, I'm just thinking more, saying the green-eyed monster of jealousy where you sat there and you're going, God, I wish we'd signed him. I do it every time Man City signs someone. I go, if, I wish we'd signed him. If I was a Burnley fan, I'd be thinking more of the uh, us against the rest of the league sort of mentality. Siege mentality. Yeah, yeah, that's what... Jose Mourinho. Yeah, yeah that's, what, that's, that's genuinely what I'd... They call think, him the ginger Mourinho. Um, but back to financial fair play. Yeah. Um, it's been a joke for a while. Do you... Can you... Do you I mean, it's been a total it's, joke, and yeah. people have always pointed to the likes of Man City, Chelsea, mm-hmm. Barcelona, Real Madrid, all these people who are, we think slightly PSG, not Barcelona, Real Madrid, PSG, slightly diddling the finances by having these large um, entities give them all these sponsorships and stuff that don't always seem to be completely above board. Man City are also being investigated heavily for their sponsorship, for their stadium rights, for their sponsorships. Well. They are going to be allowed to play in next season's European competition because of. Uh, they've already filed their appeal for the court arbitration of sport. They've pre-filed it before getting yeah before getting their sanctions, which is incredible on yeah. so many levels. But do you see this as a chance for them to re for um, them actually taking financial fair play seriously and it finally being what we thought it would be? It's starting to be taken seriously. However, Man City and PSG, I remember at least a couple of seasons in a row. Recent, recently got fined for financial fair play. Now, the thing is with fining with financial fair play, if if it's a team, if we put it in championship context, that fine is ludicrous because it's going to put them in more financial problem. Um, but it's it's only really starting to have a huge impact in the championship. Maybe with Man City and PSG, they are going to get bought up on it. But I think as Europe as a whole... Financial fair play isn't going to be taken maybe as seriously as it is right now in England until a top team gets some sort of serious repercussion for it. Mm. Um, but saying that in the Championship and for those teams in the lower half of the, the Premier League is coming one of the biggest things for them right now. Brez? Yeah, I think it, it's uh, fairly soon, like Dave says, if they can make a scapegoat like I think they used Blues as last season... Um, people will take it more seriously. I think Sheffield Wednesday and Derby are going to fall foul of it this season. Whether their um, points to, potential points deductions happen this season or next will depend on how well the Derby and Sheffield Wednesday lawyers can draw this out. Because I'm sure their aim will be to get it to 
ne- into next season if they can. I think Derby are really going to have the book thrown at them, especially given we got a nine-point deduction last year. They they valued their ground. Was it them or Sheffield Wednesday? Sheffield Wednesday was sixty. Sheffield Wednesday was sixty. Sixty million. Meanwhile, Sheffield yeah, Wednesday's ground. Meanwhile, it's a dump. The Blues well, ground went for twenty four. Yeah, I think t- around and Villa 24. Park was. They did the same thing Villa did, and theirs was like uh, I can't remember off the top of my head. But Villa I, Park's probably the biggest of all yeah, of them. I hope and theirs went for maybe. In the middle there somewhere. Yeah. If Blues like is if Blues is twenty four, I hope Villas is a hundred, <laughs> because and this is no reflection on what I think of the clubs at all. Villa Park is a is a wonderful stadium. Personally, I think in terms of in terms of what it, the you get a decent atmosphere. It's always not. It's a nice ground. You always it's good sign. It's big. It feels good. It feels like a proper big ground. It's whereas forty something thousand. Isn't whereas it, Blues yeah. doesn't feel like that. I mean, I like the Blues ground too. But I do like it, except in the away end where they don't accept credit card. Which, which I, was, I was trying to get a coffee. It was cold. <laughs> um, okay, financial fair play. Let's leave it there, mm-hmm. um, and let's move on to transfers. And let's just quickly almost do a lightning round for this. Um, Mike, we talked quickly last week about Bruno Fernandes and we it seemed like it was really close and he was having his goodbye game. Yeah, and, it did seem like that. And it's another Wednesday. He's and he still playing another game. And he hasn't signed. Do you think it gets done in January? Uh, from what I'm... Uh, actually, just after we talked about that on the pod, everything went quiet for a few days. <laughs> so I, I was getting pretty concerned. It seems to be that the reports today are a bit more positive that it's going to get done in the next week or so. I think he will sign. You think he comes in January? Yeah, yeah, I think he's coming. Mr. Uh, Harris? I think, I think he will get there. However, it's classic Man United being held to ransom because people yeah. know they'll pay more. Uh, just so everyone knows, it's 2-0 Burnley. Oh, beautiful. Sean Dyche's Barmy Army. Did Defoe score? I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> Don't think Defoe scored, though. Um, yeah, I think Man U also need a striker. Yeah, especially uh, with Rashford's, Rashford's injury. injury. I'm assuming he's going to be out for quite a while because he had the double fracture in his back and his ankle, apparently. Yeah, his a floating well. bone in his ankle. We'll come on to his his and other players' workloads in a bit. Um, but United, Cavani is now available. Yeah, Chelsea, Chelsea are interested. <laughs> Wages are supposedly a stumbling block and he would prefer Atletico Madrid. Would you have That's him nice. though? Yeah, I'd have him. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I was thinking today. I was like, we need a body, and he's a good body yeah. as well. I was thinking today, like he could join the illustrious ranks of Chelsea of Falcao, Higuain, Pato <laughs> in strikers that Chelsea wanted we had five too. years before they had him. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of uh, old Chelsea players, in fact, and he's not quite an old Chelsea player. And I'm not sure what Antonio Conte's doing over at Inter Milan because he bought Ashley Young earlier this week and now he wants to buy Victor Moses from Fenerbahce. In fact, I think he has a, he's buying him for like uh, 10 million or something. 10 million? 10 million or something. I saw that he wanted him. I did not know yeah, it was 10 million. He's actually buying him. Okay, uh, which, this is wild. Which is... Because the thing is, Inter, Inter are also... Uh, signing Ericsson for 18 million, which is just an outrageous bit of business. Yeah, it's an absolute steal and from them. Except the, wor- the worst thing about the whole Ericsson saga is I don't feel like anyone's happy other than Inter because Ericsson wanted to go around Madrid, it was clear as day, and Tottenham wanted to keep him or get a chunk of money for him. And he's been t- he stunk up the place for half a season, now he's going for under 20 million. 
It's beautiful. Daniel um, Levy must be sick to be yeah, stomach. Oh, so good, isn't it? Having said that, Tottenham has still made a profit on him. Uh, obviously, oh, he's worth cares? a lot more. Um, he's, oh, no, I, I don't <laughs> care that they've made a profit on him. Like To, to let him let his contract run down and then a player of yeah, that importance and then yeah. wait until the halfway through dirty, the season. Really, yeah. No, it's, I don't even blame him as much as I blame the club for not selling him in the summer. It's just daft. It just it just feels like a bad thing, but he's soon going to have... Their inter's incomings are going to read like Ericsson. Everyone's like, oh, yeah. Victor Moses. Oh, yeah. Ashley Young. Yeah. <laughs> it's, just, it's just quite funny to me. I think it's my favourite transfer window for... The, <laughs> for a club in a long oh, I time. just love a transfer transfer rumours um, in terms of others obviously Tottenham are still linked with Piatek yeah that doesn't seem to have got no much movement no, on that either no traction in that um, really he's all Piatek's also been linked to Everton saw that which seems an odd one to me because if I thought Everton need a I'm not do they need a Striker, I think that's the one place where I find with them I'd be less focused on it in yeah. the immediate future. Creative midfielder for me for Everton. Absolutely. Well, they just loaned out Tosin if they wanted someone that's going to play. Well, I don't know why they go for Piatek really, but each their own. Um, on the other side of things, you two inform me that Newcastle have signed Nabil Bentaleb, who was a fraud, and I don't like him. I'm but a fan. Why do you like him, and why do you think he's a good signing? Uh, Bentaleb looked okay at Tottenham when he was there. Um, also, did he? Look, well, I was a big Bentaleb fan. Um, we're going to run with that. He's also not been bad at Schalke. One thing that does worry me is the reason he's been loaned out is because he fell out and apparently he's had a lot of disciplinary issues yeah. at Schalke. Now, Newcastle already have a couple of questionable characters, mainly John Joe Shelby. <laughs> you don't really want another player with disciplinary issues. However, he's a he's a workhorse, and that is what Steve Bruce looks for in this Newcastle team. Everybody loves a bad boy, Dave. <laughs> Not a bloody terrorist, Chris. Uh, thanks, Dave. Brez, uh, Ben Celeb, do you like it? Do you not like it? Uh, it just seems to make sense. I was surprised Newcastle got him, to be honest. But maybe because of his disciplinary problems, maybe uh, was it Schalke? We're looking to get him out. Yeah. Um, Villa, obviously, we mentioned earlier, got Samata over the line, so that's nice. They I think also got Rayner in on loan. I don't know if we uh, mentioned that, that last week. No, we didn't, because it happened after. That's a really good signing. I, I don't know how good Pepe Rayner still is as a keeper. I still yeah. think he's he probably... like he was flapping around his line yesterday, but... To be fair, I think he's still better than Nyland. He's definitely better than Nyland, so that's um, an upgrade. Also, I don't know if you caught the videos of him doing his initiation... I get the sense he might be one of those who's just a real positive impact on a young team. I think team. he's a cracking character. Yeah, fast, uh, he, so. was on the, he was on the chair dancing. It was, it was excellent. <laughs> um, just quickly, uh, other rumours, just going to round them up. Uh, Jerome Boateng has been linked to Arsenal. He's never quite recovered from the messy. Uh, how uh, can you after yeah. that? Um, I still think he'd be a cracking signing for Arsenal. No chance to get it done in January. This feels like a slightly odd one. Yeah, I don't see that getting done, but it would be a, a fun one if it L- happens. Liverpool are monitoring Ben White at Leeds. You raised the point, Dave, about why would why would they go for him? Yeah, Joe Gomez really is starting to come into his own. Um, even Matip as cover, I'd say, is pretty decent. Uh, obviously, Lovren has signalled he wants to leave. Ben White... Um, yeah, if I was Ben White, to be honest, I'd just be looking to go back to Brighton and break into their team yeah. and play next to Lewis Dunk. Um, 
and develop there, see if he gets better. He's he's a good player, um, but with people hyping this Leeds team, I think that's the only reason why he's getting talked about so much. Okay. Um, City is still... City, although they got... I wrote report back last night, which is excellent because he's a fantastic Big player news, and yeah. I love watching him play. Um, and he's really good for their push for the Champions League, I think. He's going to be a really important player for the second half of the season. It's the perfect time for him to come back, yeah. yeah. Um, hopefully they just sprinkle him in and he doesn't get injured again because the league's the worst place for ha- ha- having their players injured. Um, but they are still on the lookout for a centre-back. Everyone keeps saying Soyuncu and Evans. I personally think no chance in January. Not a chance. Um, and you'd have to throw absolutely ridiculous money at Leicester and I still think even then they'd have to think about it because they'd be playing Wes Morgan at centre-back, which is a real problem. He doesn't have legs at work. Um, the last one is, I think really I've got here, that well, not the last one, Chelsea are in for Zahar and Ake, which they have a £40 million buyback clause on Ake. I like... Both of those players, both of those players are having a bad season and both of those players I do not want to sign for Chelsea Football Club right now. Am I wrong? That's interesting. I like Ake, to be honest. Um, um, and yeah, maybe if maybe if you're a fan of Eddie Howe, you probably don't want Ake to leave well. No, it's not that. It's more <laughs> that he's not, he's not been as good uh, the last couple of... He's, he's not playing as well this season... And Chelsea have got a shaky back line that I don't think needs to add someone who's lacking confidence. That's just my opinion. I really like Ake and I was furious when we sold him. I was absolutely furious when we sold him and Nate Chalaber. I was furious when we sold the both of them. And I think they'd be, they'd be really good fits right now, but I just wouldn't buy him. I think the £40 million buyback offers pretty good value. I'd, I'd take him up on that, to be honest, if I was Chelsea. Oh, but okay. It's interesting. Maybe not. Um, Dave? Um, different transfer. Blue's actually in making headlines. That's Jude a really Bellingham. good point. Yeah, I forgot about this. Jude Bellingham, 30 million. Like, he looks an unreal player, but 30 million for a 16 year old really is bonkers. Uh, especially an English one. Seems to only be Brazilian kids that get this sort of transfer fee. Um, he looks amazing. Um, he's already pretty physical as well in the championship. But for Man United right now, a 16-year-old... He's on £145 a week. I know. Surely, but what is happening? And the thing is, every, well, I don't know how true it is, but every time I look, the bid goes up, and who's, I'm happy about yeah, it. Wasn't it like 12 he, mil last week? Yeah. No, who's, a, who's the technical director at Blues? Uh, Ren. Okay, Ren. Pick up the phone. Call him, ask say him, yes. Ask him for 40. <laughs> Do you know, don't even ask him for anything more. Say yes. I, to me, I saw actually a tweet earlier. We should take, we yep. should take it. I saw a tweet earlier saying they should wait and see what they can get in the summer for him. And I was like, no, because in football, you're an injury away from a player never working out the way you want to work. Blues are in dire financial straits. They need the money. Yeah. Sell him. Sell him now. Sell him quickly. And I agree, too early for the... It's terrible for the player. Far too early to be going to Man United and sitting on the bench, probably. And for Man United, what are you doing? Who's who's working in the recruitment side of Man United? It just baffles me. It feels like they it feels like they've got a dartboard with all these different faces on. They're just throwing darts at it. I don't, I just don't get it for me personally. It's the Guillaume Balaguer roulette wheel. Yeah. Um. One last one, and I actually saw it on the way in here, and I just want to bring this up because it's almost a bit like the Ericsson one. Ryan Fraser let his, is letting his contract run down, and now in the hope that he could get a move to someone like Arsenal, who were interested, because he'd break for a season last year, 14 assists or something in the league. It was fantastic. And now West Ham are after him. 
what what a fall from grace that is, and quite frankly, the way he's he's been, and we can't the way he's been playing. West Ham is his level, Dave. Uh, I think it's an odd one. Uh, like yes, he's played very well. The season before, oh, yeah. not this season. Okay. However, I don't know if he should be banking on such a big move. Um, surely he signs a contract just to make sure and then if someone comes in for him and it's good enough he gets let go and it's a win-win for him and and the club if imagine if he leaves Bournemouth and ends up as you said West Ham like is he beating Felipe Anderson into a starting 11 the way Felipe Anderson's playing yeah but Fraser's (laughs) playing terribly too (laughs) yeah yeah, he's playing championship football if uh, (laughs) if I'm right Um, I just I just think it's perfect when it's a classic way of teams not teams saying we're not selling a player and then it all kind of goes wrong and it poisons the club like, I just think more teams should seriously think about getting rid of their players when they want to leave I mean the only hope for Fraser is Mark Albright and left Villa and he went on to win the Premier League with Leicester so maybe there's some hope out there for him <laughs> okay <laughs> alright um <laughs> This so moving on uh, from transfers. This weekend is the um, the FA Cup. There's a couple of interesting fixtures going on. Um, but before we start, kicks the FA Cup. In the next round kicks off on Friday night. Friday night. The third round ends. The third round ends tomorrow Thursday. On Thursday, Watford then play on Sunday. On Sunday. Against um, well, if Watford beat Tramere, if Watford beat Tramere or Tranmere, well, yeah, whoever wins that game play on play who uh, Manu Manu on Sunday. Watford have obviously played a Premier League game on Tuesday, yep. which uh, and at the weekend, which uh-huh. means I think I think they were playing four games in nine days or something. Yep. That is maybe less than that. Klopp and Pep have both joined forces as some like some like group of evils this week to basically go what are we doing with these fixture lists because four games in nine days is it might have been worse than that is it's dangerous for the players we've seen it with Marcus Rashford's December workload has directly contributed to him having a really quite a serious injury I love the I love the domestic I love the fixture lists at Christmas I love getting up and there's there's loads of football. It's great for me as a viewer. I think it's so dangerous the way it's currently constructed for the for the health of our players. And at the end of the day, nobody, none of us want to sit here and say, well, Liverpool are winning the title, but City have got so many injuries. How are they going to win it? None of us want to sit here and do that. We want to watch the best players in the world play for their teams. And in, in what personally for me is one of the best, probably the best league in the world in terms of competitiveness I want to see everybody fit and firing and we do an absolute disservice to the players in the amounts of fixtures we make and play in a short period of time it is a farce that Watford are playing on Thursday and then are playing on Sunday Dave? I mean look at Newcastle they've had double figures of of injuries over this period and Watford just how is it fair to them how are they supposed to even they just have to pick and choose between games and realistically they pick one game that they go for, one game they don't care about, one game they prioritise, one game they don't yeah. care about so much. But There's no way you can even look to hit three or four games in nine days, I mean, seriously. I, well, we, we, a couple of weeks ago, we 
people always like to say, how do we make the FA Cup mean more? And we discussed it a few weeks ago and we said it does mean a lot for some people. And Watford's FA Cup run from a few years ago meant tons for their club. And this season you're basically saying to them, choose between Premier League survival or playing this third round. If I don't I don't know the answer. Is it get rid of replays? But there has to be a way because we cannot keep treating the players in this aspect, Mike? Yeah, I think replays, there's a good chance replays will go at some point soon. The sports scientists must be tearing their hair out trying to keep these people, and the physios, keeping these people fit. Um, It seems to be common that all players play with injuries, which is pretty... Not good. Well, it's definitely not good. Um, That's what, obviously, Rashford got injured. They were saying that's what he was doing. I, I assume half the Premier League probably are because the amount of games... They just can't afford to not play. As as a United fan, how annoyed does the Rashford injury make you? Because I know it makes you annoyed. I know it makes you annoyed as like in terms of it's, it's made you weaker. But it. I, I don't even know whose playing? fault it is because we haven't got anyone else. So yeah. he has to play. He's one of our best players, so he has to play. Um, I I just don't know how you can avoid it. Maybe keeping the Kaka around. You can blame Ollie for that, maybe. I don't know. It's a tough one. I'd if and if I'm Rashford, I'm telling the gaffer I can play, so you play him, and then he aggravates an injury that he already had, but he told you he could play. Again, it's terrible recruitment if he if they haven't got a, a squad big enough to. Well, that's on that's the major fun. problem, really. Yeah. I think. Dave, I think it is a bit ludicrous from the club doctors to. I mean, at the end of the day, if Rashford's saying he wants to play, which I imagine he is, um, then maybe playing. But with a, a back injury, a bit of fracture, I'm not sure should be letting any player play with that at all. Uh, interesting, I saw Jamie O'Hara also say that he had a similar injury um, when he was on loan at Portsmouth, I believe. Um, and he said that every game he played since, even now when he plays Billericke, he has to play with an injection. So that's the seriousness yeah. of the injury Rashford yeah. could be dealing with yeah. there. I, I, there needs to be a real, real concerted effort to fix what's going on with the fixtures because I would rather we have a winter break. I would rather we had the winter break, lest we scrap one of the cups, we scrap replays. I'd rather we did all of that and there was less football as long as the players are healthy and we actually get to watch the best games that we can watch and that they themselves as people get to be healthy. Um, in terms of the FA Cup, it's a bit of a dull round. Is We're playing Holloway. Bournemouth and Arsenal, I think, is the only FA Cup. Not only FA Cup, the only Premier League together provided... Oh, Burnley are playing Notch. I mean, Shrewsbury have got Liverpool at home. Which yeah. is pretty big for for a League One team to, to face this Liverpool team. Um, yeah, it's the battle of the Wests, West Ham and West Brom. Yeah, ignore what I said because there's a lot of Premier League clubs playing each other. Uh, Southampton, <laughs> Spurs, Burnley, Norwich. Who have City got? There? One of Portsmouth and Barnsley will get through. Are you, see, you are you looking at that and seeing any potential shocks? Uh, Brentford could beat Leicester. Would you even say that's a shock? Well, I suppose it is a little bit. Depends what team Leicester put out. Um, as we discussed, then it'd be important for them to win, especially given that the first leg at, um, of the Carabao didn't go particularly Mill, well. For them. Sheffield United, that's going to be a battle of attrition. Yeah, that's both for the people playing and for the people watching. Whoever Man U are playing, have got a chance of beating them. <laughs> 
I really would not be surprised if whole city look okay against Chelsea. Oh, um, it's not a surprise. I, to... I don't know if they're gonna turn them over, but I can imagine that being a closer game than people might if, expect. I mean, if Willie Caballero's in goal, we might actually see some saves from a Chelsea keeper. It might be great. Depending the side that Newcastle put out, Oxford are playing pretty well. They might have a chance of getting a result there. Maybe, maybe forcing a replay at worst. Yeah. Well, we... Not worst, but so which which game which which game of that sorry bunch are you lot watching? I'd like to watch Shrewsbury Liverpool to be honest, just because it's the biggest uh, sort of difference in teams. Well, I want to watch Brentford Leicester. It looks like it's on the telly. It's a twelve forty-five on Saturday lunchtime. So if I can watch that, I'll tr- definitely try and give that a go. I think that'd be a really interesting game to attacking progressive sides, one in the Championship, one in the Prem. See how they fare against each other. Yeah. Um. Okay. So that's the week's football done. Um, we're actually going to pl- quickly play a game this week that we've played. We play ourselves every now and then. Um, it actually we give a quick back story. It originated on a a lad's trip abroad in which we were bored in an airport and we just thought started playing football player twenty questions that we just call. I've got a player. So um, this week I've thought of a player and Mike and Dave are going to try and figure out who it is and they've got twenty questions. Dave is a savant at these things, so if he doesn't get it, please remember to abuse him on Twitter. <laughs> um, do you want to go? Well, Mike, as I usually waste the early questions, I'll, I'll let you ask the broad ones. I think. Uh, have they retired? No, currently still playing. Still playing. Uh... Premier League? Well, did they play in the Premier League? In their yes, career? they did play in the Premier League. Okay. Are we taking that as a given in future? <laughs> no. No. So no. it can be anyone. Okay. Sound. Are they currently playing in England? They are currently a free agent. There we go, Mike. This is what happens when I use the early questions. That's not too bad. Okay, so when they're in the Prem, uh, Northern Club, or actually, did they play for multiple clubs? Can I change that? They did. They played for three clubs. Three clubs in the Prem. Great. Uh, okay. Uh, Northern Club? They did play for a Northern Club. Just one? Yes. Does that count as a question? Yeah, it was a clarification. You can have it. Okay, thanks. Okay. Thanks, Will. <laughs> I'll be nice this week. Won't be next week. Uh, is that where he's best known? Uh, I would say no. No. Have they played in a top a team that at the time was a top six team? No, not at the time. We want to know now. Okay. If they're a top Fine, six. Fine, we'll change it. Have they played for a top six team? Or the big six? Uh, no, they've never played for one of the big six. Okay. That's annoying. Uh, London team? They have played for a London team. Best known there? Uh, it's one of two places I'd say they're best known for. Okay, right. Let's narrow down the position then. Right, just you're on nine. Okay, defender. No. Midfielder. Yes. Okay. That's ten, is it? Yes. Yeah. Crikey. Yeah. So we've got a midfielder that's got a agent <laughs> that has played for a club up north, also a club in London. He's currently a free agent. Do you think it's Steve Finnan? Blown <laughs> 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 uh, contract twice, Mike. Okay. Are, um, the, are the Northern clubs still in the Prem? No. They're not in the Prem. So we've got... What a can of worms. Hull, Bolton, and Blackburn. A free agent as well. This is the thing that's going to... 
That makes it so much harder. I think it's one of those free agencies that's practically retirement. You know, when they yeah, just haven't announced it. I was it. thinking it's well, got to be someone like that. If they haven't got a club right now, they're retired, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> oh, bloody hell. Right, so a, team, a northern team no longer in the... And I don't mean any disrespect if this person ever comes across this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that's if we get the mic. Um, this is a midfielder as well. Yep. Okay. You're on 12... The, no, you want to let them. Right, so right. I'm going to ask a question. Right, we need to narrow this down. Just go for it. Were they a winger? No. No. So we're looking at a centre. Centre mid. Yeah. Okay. okay. Centre mid. One team. Wait, what? What do you mean, <laughs> work? <laughs> no, they weren't. No, they weren't. So. Oh, I really want it to be a Bolton legend. Yeah, but I'm trying to think. Stelios Janakopoulos. Yeah, I mean, that probably. would be heroic. However, I imagine he retired a long time ago. Yeah, probably. Um, God, like, what have we done with these I'll give you a clue. I don't know. Don't. I'll give you a clue. He scored 22 goals in his career. So, not a goal scorer then. Uh, There's another club. There's another club. That you haven't got. Well, we haven't got who the Northern Club is or the London Club yet. Oh, that's a really good point. You're doing terribly. Yes, I are. have a feeling. Oh, God. Oh, God. Go on. Not a player. Get it. Not a player. Okay, but what feeling have you got? Right, I need a question, lads. Oh, no, yeah, so we need no, to get don't, on this. because this is going to be too... Just do it. Broad. Just do it. Has he played for a Midlands club? Yes, he has. Yeah, right. I'm guessing it's an old Villa player. I know who this is. No, you go for it. I know who it is. It's it? Nigel Rio Coca. It is Nigel Rio Coca. <laughs> <laughs> Bolton, West Ham, and Aston Villa. I hate you so much. I was waiting for it. Nigel Rio Coca played for Wimbledon, West Ham, Aston Villa, Bolton Wanderers. And Wimbledon... I'm so glad I was Ipswich, Vancouver Whitecaps, Chivas, Montreal. A team called Start, and then he played, finished his career with zero appearances at the MK Dons. I'd like to formally apologise to Nigel for my comments. <laughs> when, you, when you say a player that is practically retired, I was thinking that age age group of someone who's 33 to 35. Yeah. So What, what a player, though, Nigel Riococo was for a while. He was He did that great ability with John Carew. Um, anyway, that's it. We'll, that's it for this week's pod. Um, Dave, if people want to follow you in your savant ways, I will just send you congratulations on a... Getting that out of practically nothing. Where can they do that? Uh, Twitter at Dave Harris underscore 44. And Mike, you do a bit of writing, tipping. Do you want to tell the people where they can find you? Uh, yeah, at Mikey Breslin uh, on Twitter, which you can find through the in and around Twitter as well if you want to. Um, you can follow me at Wilhunt17, but please don't. Please instead follow us at the at in and around pod. We talk, we do some tweets there about all the major transfers. Mike's doing some some live tweeting right now. If you get a tweet, it's typically Mike, but every now and then it's either me or Dave popping in there. Um, thanks for well, thanks for joining us this week, and remember to share the pod if you enjoy it, and to tell everyone else about it because. More people can hear Dave make three gaffes in the early 30 minutes. (laughs) Um, (laughs) See you next week. Sweet. Thank you.